Church Matters podcast for SGC Marlton. This is episode 13. I am Jason Reyes, uh, associate pastor here at Sovereign Grace Church, and with me is Warren Betcher, our very own senior pastor. It's good to have you here again today, Warren. It's good to be here again and uh, seeing your face through this uh, technology. So I hey, wish we were doing this in person. Speaking of that, aren't you getting tired of seeing my face since we have all these Zoom meetings now? Yeah, that's true. Come on, well, be actually, honest. We're actually seeing each other more than we typically did in the past. So Even with our offices being next to each other. <laughs> right. Well, I appreciate all that you're doing, um, both on Sunday mornings. I've really been enjoying the live stream and, and, uh, and actually being able to see other people who are logging in and subscribing. And, and that's been really a, a lot of fun to see some of that taking place, but also seeing you six days a week doing the words with Warren. How's that going? Uh, well, I'm enjoying it. So uh, it's fun Good. for me. It's great just to be in God's word in this way. Not that it's replacing my devotional times, but it is making me slow down and be thoughtful. And every time I, you know, you slow down and be thoughtful with God's word, it never returns void. It always yields fruit. So the Psalms are helping me. They're counseling my own heart. Personally, I've, I've really enjoyed listening to them. Uh, they've been a really good supplement to what I do on, on a daily basis, just in my own devotional. So thank you so much. You're welcome. You know, for serving us in that way. And again, stepping out and using technology in ways that you never thought. Yeah, I'm doing that. It is. I'm setting my phone up by myself. And sometimes I'm jerry-rigging some things and sitting in some different places. <laughs> and that's about as much as creativity as I have. So, but, uh, Well, I like the backdrop of uh, yeah. Mondays. And what was that, in Meemaw's room? Is that right? Yes, yes. And uh, today's was down in the grandchildren's playroom. So that's right. what I today's. Again, thank you so much for doing Real quick, before we get into some of these other things, how are you doing with the loss of athletics right now and not being able to turn on ESPN for anything that's really relevant or new? Yeah, it's a real loss. I mean, there's so many little things that you don't think are important until they're gone. And they're not <laughs> ultimately important. But even sports radio, I have no interest to hear them talk about nothing. <laughs> and I feel for those guys. Like, what are they talking I about? Do. And I totally so, I mean, do. we miss I March Madness. Uh, we're missing oh, the man. start Tell of baseball season, basketball, and hockey, and uh, yep. all those things. And yeah, we would have teams heading to the playoffs, not even know how all that's going to resolve. And it does take a chunk out of that it entertainment, really that place just to disengage a little bit and hear stuff that's really, again, not that ultimately important, but it's enjoyable. So I'm missing that. I am missing it too. And it's been funny. I've been finding myself listening to or watching more Netflix that are, are more... Um, sports that I wouldn't necessarily qualify as a sport, uh, if you will. So I've been watching, I watched both seasons of Formula One uh, on Netflix, which was really fascinating. But I know the reason I'm doing this is because there's just a loss of watching anything else yeah, right now yeah. on TV. It was really funny. My wife is laughing at me when I'm watching these things. Well, listen, I wanted to get to some of the questions. Last week, we had uh, some questions and uh, had a chance to answer some of those from our listeners from the church. And I wanted to go ahead and toss another one that we received. I thought it would be good to maybe spend a little bit of time with this, and then we'll go to some of the thoughts just from last Sunday's message on the Lord, I am the Good Shepherd. So here's the question. With a large church like ours, with lots of family connections and strong friend groups, what are ways that we can step outside of our comfort zones and make sure that people outside of these groups are known? seen in our love? 
Yeah, it's a great question. And I appreciate even the folks who would be asking that. I think we just have to be intentional. Uh, we're going to gravitate to what's easy and comfortable. And I think we all, because we're missing one another, we're going to actually want to have more time with those probably we know well and are close to us. So whether it's family and we did another Zoom call with all of our kids, uh, married children last night and Stephen at home. So that was great. An hour and a half just on a Zoom call. And that's fun to do. Still doesn't replace the real thing in a sense, but still good to do. I think it's just thinking beyond that. Who can I talk to that I don't typically talk to? So I think that can start in our uh, small groups, because even within small groups, you have some people that you're closer to than others. But just calling and touching base with people, and I think just asking people how they're going and how you can pray for them can just be very meaningful. And for folks that maybe you're not as close to, it's just like having them over for dinner in a sense. You just get a different window into their life, and that window can actually build a relationship. Uh, so I think there's actually opportunity to build relations with people that we don't typically relate to. Because again, even in a small group, you might start to get, you know, you have a comfortable part of that small group. You talk there, but also now you're talking with others and you're, you're having more intentional conversations and you learn things about people. So I think it's being intentional and just taking the step, setting aside time maybe to say, you know, once a day, going to check in somebody that maybe I don't know, or during the week, somebody I don't know, not just the people I do know. I know that there are some people out there that it's it can be hard to relate with in a sense of uh, the feelings of loneliness or isolation, mm -hmm. even in a large group. But it is something that I think everybody should gain some experience in perspective, mm -hmm. even through this time with the virus to, to understand that there are people outside of a pandemic that will come to church on Sundays and leave after church service on a Sunday feeling lonely, yep. you know, like they, yep. they really have not connected with anyone. And, and uh, a lot of times it's not primarily because of sins of commission as much as mm -hmm. sins of omission, just being unthoughtful in that way, or even selfish, you know, in mm -hmm. their thinking. So what are some ways that when the church gathers, again, that you'd just like to encourage the church in ways that we can love one another well, especially that brother or sister that is feeling lonely and is experiencing that loneliness? It starts with what you said. We have to be aware that people can be in large groups. I mean, I think even of youth camp where we gather the church and there's, you know, all the youth and parents there in close confines, there's some people that still can feel lonely in the midst of of people because nobody's drawing them out and nobody's really asking them how they're doing. Again, being intentional that way. Uh, when we see some people that uh, when we do gather back together and we maybe have had conversations with them, just getting into it. How was it for you? What was tempting for you? What sustained you through that time? And I think even asking sometimes uh, with friends, you can just banter quickly. With people you don't know as well, it's hard just to banter. You don't have the same shared experiences. But you know, you can share fellowship more quickly. You don't ask the, the banter question, the sports question maybe that comes out of more natural friendships, but you can ask a fellowship question. What did the Lord do for you during your time? What was hard for you? And, and I think just appreciating that and just being aware that probably more people than sometimes we think can feel alone. And being aware that when we're in a group, are we including? Or is there a circle when someone else is standing out quietly? And just being aware, like, who might be quiet in the meeting tonight? How can I draw them in? Or who can be quiet seems more alone in this. So I think it's our eyes have to be open and be looking. And it is interesting because it's, it goes beyond personality, doesn't it? I mean, because yep. some people have the personality that they're there, they're big, they're large. Uh, yep. When a party starts, when they arrive, you know, uh, and then mm -hmm. there's others that are that are generally more quiet, more reserved, and it can have more one-on-one, -on -one, you know, than in a yep. group. But really, the reality is we need to be mindful of everyone. 
you know, mm-hmm. and we need to be thoughtful of everyone. And so love puts someone else's interest above our own from Philippians. And so just ways that we can do that. Yeah, it's been cool. I've been hearing of uh, families who have been inviting other families to have virtual dinner uh, okay. together with one another through Zoom or FaceTime, um, where they gather together around the dinner table or what have you, but they invite another family with kids and everything else and all the chaos that's going on. But just to be able to see others and, and talk yeah. and engage with others, which has been great. and really would encourage even more of that as this time of uh, self isolation, if you will, or quarantine, depending upon how you look at it, uh, really continues to go on. What thoughts, you know, do you have right now uh, just for the church? Because obviously on Sunday, the president issued the continuation through April 30th. Now that's mm-hmm. not a hard deadline, but that is a, a new deadline for us. Any thoughts for us as, as a church as we look at those things and, uh, and really don't see a total end in sight? Well, I think this is where uh, what we're doing every day, just our time with the Lord has got to center us. And I'll be very honest, when when I heard through April 30th, I would say that was a blow. Kim and I both talked about that was just like bad news. So I think just processing the bad news, processing honestly with it, uh, not denying it. But for me to hear that, that was like a pit in my stomach feel. I'm not going to be able to see our folks, our church family for another month. And again, maybe beyond that. So that was a blow. I would have said it was a blow and doesn't change my great reality. So I have to stay focused on my great realities, which is all the gospel's done and what God is and who God is. So grateful for those realities that I think really do govern during a time like this. But that was a, a sad, that was a sad announcement. And I think right now, we're a little over 3,000 deaths. And then when you start to consider, they're talking about it'll be a success if we limit it to 100,000. And think, wow, that's That's 30 times where we are right now. That tells you there's a lot in front of us. It's why we don't find our comfort in clarity or in the future. And the other thing I try to do is today's today. Let's keep focused on today. God gives grace for today. If we want to launch out, you know, there's enough trouble for today rather than me project out the troubles for tomorrow and a week from now or a month from now, God gives grace for the day. So can I think long-term? Probably not. Can I think God today and faithful today? I can handle today because God will help me today. And it is a kindness of the Lord, if you will, that he hems us in from being able to plan that far, you know, Mm -hmm. into the future, because it really does kind of, at least for my own soul, it's been surprisingly at peace Mm-hmm. in all of those things, because I typically am a plan your work and work your plan type of person. Right. Um, but in the midst of all this uncertainty, I haven't been rocked that way, mm-hmm. which is encouraging to mm-hmm. me because there is something of, hey, God, you are doing something and have been doing something in my soul that I still can rest in you, mm-hmm. the one who knows the future, that knows the end yep. from the beginning, even though I don't. There is a sense of sadness and disappointment, you know, when we're canceling things, plans that we have made left and right. But there's also a recognition, and I don't believe this is a reservation, at least, you know, in our times that we've met together. And I think you've led us well in this, Warren, as a team, is that God knows these things and we can trust him. You know, Mm -hmm. he knows what's best. Listen, if I can, I just want to switch gears just a little bit and and touch base this past Sunday's message, which again, Mm -hmm. I believe has a lot of relevancy to where we are right now about Jesus, his declaration that he is the good shepherd. Mm -hmm. And and you talked about what the good shepherd does for the sheep. And one of the things is that he gives abundant life. Let me ask you, how do we typically interpret abundant life just in a very affluent uh, American Western society. We typically, and I do this as well, even though I know theologically better, I still would do this. (laughs) We typically interpret by our circumstances, I think. When things are going well, that doesn't always mean even just prosperity, but even relationally, like, others peace and uh, your children are obeying well and you feel like they're on track and, and they're following the Lord. So you start to find peace in things. And 
obviously that's a great desire, but it is circumstantially driven. I just think we find peace a lot in our circumstances and we define abundance by our circumstances. So that can be the abundance of financial things, the abundance of uh, our plans. Even for you, what you just said earlier, abundant life, your plans, you're planning your plan and working out your plan. And that's abundance, right? That brings a certain joy and security sense of purpose and fulfillment. And yet that can be touched in an instant. Those things can be touched. And again, we don't need a pandemic to touch those things because people get touched right, perfectly yeah. all the time. This is yep. just broadening and making us all oh, feel yeah. more vulnerable, but there's not a Everybody's day in the same spot. boat right now. Yes. We're all in that same boat, yeah. but there's always new people in that boat. And when this virus goes away, there's going to be people whose lives will still be rocked by circumstantial changes. They'll still be lost jobs. So yeah, now lost jobs are talking 15% unemployment and yeah, it's much broader. But you know, if there was 3% unemployment and I get unemployed, right? That's the only (laughs) reality that you need. You only need your reality. You don't need a global reality. We tend to focus it circumstantially. Is what I think. Jesus is seeking to orient us though, right? Reorient right. our thoughts with regards to what abundant life is all about. So what are the four specifics with regards to abundant life? And maybe tease these out for us in terms of how this intersects with where we're at right now in the midst of a pandemic. Knowing what we believe and who we believe is massive. And so I think truth is a gift. And again, you can think about this outside of these times. I think about craziness. I mean, you think about shootings that have taken place and other tragedies and think, boy, if I didn't have the Lord, this stuff would all toss me to and fro because it would seem random. You read enough of the headlines, do you realize you're not ultimately ever protected because it can seem random and because people doing something innocent, there's a shooter. You know, people didn't anticipate a shooter showing up in a place they were. All those things for me, it just seems like because I know who I believe and I know that he's able to hold me. And that's unchanging. So I think that truth that I know God is sovereign, that I know the gospel is real, that I know Jesus loves me, I know nothing can separate me from his love, doesn't mean I won't be tempted by circumstances, but I have, there is a tether, there's an anchor that I think bears the storm. Think about Jesus saying, you know, the storms come and the man who builds his house on sand, the house collapses. And I think for some, that's the house collapses. Again, whether it's global or just personal. And for us, I think the house doesn't collapse. The storms can beat against it and the winds can come and beat against it. And yet we're built upon the rock. We're really built upon Jesus and his love. And that doesn't change. So I think truth, I'm just so grateful that I know what I know, I know. And I think God does protect. I don't want to bring, again, a Western interpretation to that, but God does protect us. Um, and that, that was, you know, it's promised throughout Scripture, I think throughout the Psalms and also uh, in, in John. He's a shepherd who protects, which means I think he protects us in circumstances, not always from them. And we see that biblically. So you see Hebrews 11, the great faith chapter, and you, you know, these things that God does that are great and delivering. And then he goes, but these were salt and two, lived in, you know, caves, and yep. they have a different a story. The world's not worthy, you know, a d- yeah. very different story. So I think there's that delivering faith, that faith that sort of conquers all. But there's another enduring faith that scriptures highlight as well as equally mm-hmm. powerful. I think to know we have heaven. And again, I think because I do get to do funerals, Christians know. Mm-hmm. And there is a security not an insecurity. And it's not sentimental. It's not good people. And I'm just going to see. It's rock solid. And then ultimately, I think that we have God. He really does care for us in the present. And he does that tangibly and experientially. So the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. is given to us to bring comfort and counsel day by day to guide us in the truth day by day. 
at this time, you know, because this was a series that we were originally thinking just to mm-hmm. prepare our hearts, you know, as a church for the celebration of the resurrection. Let me ask you this question then. So why is it important for Christians then? Because this was the second part of what Jesus does in terms of being the good shepherd, is that he lays down his life for the sheep. Why is it important for the Christian that Jesus laid down his life willingly? It shows the depth of his love, I think, to do that, Mm. that he wasn't compelled. It wasn't an obligation. We go back to our series on what's love got to do with it, and it all starts with God's love to us. To see that Jesus did it willingly, it's much more than even his love. It shows sovereignty of plan. It shows thousands of years of prophecy being fulfilled in a moment. It's the fulfillment of promises. So not only prophecy, but also promises. So even Abram in Genesis 12, you know, I'm going to bless all nations through you. Well, here's the fulfillment of that plan. So I think it fulfills promises, fulfills prophecies. So I think that's essential, but it does show us God's love. It's a free act, and it was always part of the plan. Um, and even thinking about that, of for the disciples, the plan had gone awry. They thought the plan had been devastated and broken and crushed and actually was defeated. And yet God actually accomplishing his plan. The sovereignty of God, nothing is spinning out of control. And redemption happened exactly as he determined. Uh, And you see different times when the crowds would want to take and do something to Jesus, and he would just walk away because it wasn't his time. It was like, you know, he could stop this at a moment, but he never does. I think that freedom shows sovereignty and love. I mean, it's just amazing when you think of his death was not a consequence of others. It wasn't just a a martyrdom of incongruous circumstances where here it is, the son of God, you know, was, was crucified. but he willingly laid mm-hmm. down his life, but then he also takes it up again, uh, yeah. which was your next point in that. So tease that out for us, because I think there are Christians that are even struggling today and dark days. Does God really love me? Jesus taking his life up again. What does this say to those types of thoughts, which we all experience, right? Which we mm-hmm. all uh, will wrestle with from time to time. Yeah, well, it certainly shows us his authority and power, uh, and it proves the crucifixion was sufficient. The lamb didn't stay crucified and dead, that the sacrifice was accepted by God. And then it gives us a living shepherd, not a dead shepherd. Again, we could admire a dead shepherd. We could admire the sacrifice, but it wouldn't be very helpful to us in the present. So we have a living shepherd who continues to do all the things that he's promised to do. In that way, the resurrection, Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 15, you know, if there's no resurrection, we're stuck in our sins. And we're most to be pitied. So he would not say, I mean, Paul would never have bought into Jesus' good moral example and a good moral teacher. And, and even an honorable man who died for a cause and loved people and cared for his friends. Paul would have been, if, if he had not been resurrected, he has no God at all. And we are dead in our sins. There is no hope for us. So eat, drink, and be merry. In other words, do what most of the world does do. Live for today. Evaluate life on your circumstances. Get all you can get be all you can be. That's not what Paul says at all. And so for him, this reality of the risen Christ changed everything for him. And he met the risen Christ. He heard the risen Christ. So it changed his life. And that's why I think he says things that nothing will separate us from the love of God. Paul knew that personally. Paul knew God's love. So he could be brutally honest about himself and others, but he knew God's love powerfully and personally. So I think we know that through the resurrection and We know that the sacrifice was acceptable, so our sins are forgiven, and we now are not only forgiven, but loved by God, adopted into his family. And all this because we do have a living shepherd. Yep, a living shepherd. Who cares for his sheep and knows them by name. 
Um, and it is interesting that you, you referenced Paul and, and what he was writing there in Romans, because he's writing that while he's in prison and with no end in sight. There was like nope. not a term to, okay, you're going to get out of prison at a certain date. Most of us can question the wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, God, why are you allowing this now? Right. But he couldn't question God's love for him. And, and for no. us as Christians, even as we are, in, in a sense, imprisoned in the home, Mm-hmm. Uh, unable to do certain things, there still is nothing that can separate yep. us from God's love. Again, I've been enjoying meditating on these scriptures, you know, John 6, 35, John 8, 12. And this past week in the verse that we're memorizing this week is John 10, 11. What is that verse again, Warren? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's good. Um, short and sweet. Yeah. Short and sweet. But short powerful. And sweet. Yeah, very powerful. Love these truths. Well, listen, a quick couple of announcements for the church. Men's prayer is going to be taking place this coming Friday. We do that the first Friday of every month. There's going to be a a unique and different twist to that. And so all that's going to be posted on social media. Please check that out when you get a chance this week. And then also Good Friday service and Easter service. Both of those would be live streamed these services. And we look forward to at least meeting together while we're not together Mm -hmm. um, and enjoying the benefits of live streaming in that regard. Well, Warren, again, thank you so much for your time. I know that you're really busy right now and you've got a lot of things on your plate, but appreciate the way that you're seeking to care for the congregation and our flock here just through these times. Thank you again. I appreciate that. And thank you as well, church. We we love you. We miss you dearly. Uh, Look forward to being together again. But until then, continue to listen to our podcast. And again, if you have questions out there, we'd love to go ahead and field those on one of our future episodes coming up. So thank you so much and God bless and have a great week. Amen.